Let me, let me tell you how this works. Tanya's a friend. Imagine every time I went to Tanya, every time I spoke to her, I spoke to her about my problems. If she was a good friend, what she would give me would be empathy and compassion. But if I did it again and again and again, like every day for all my Christian life, somewhere down the line, she would go, can we talk about something else? See, some of you are speaking to Jesus about your pain and your suffering and your problems and your heartache and what you need Him to do. And you speak to Him about that again and again and again, and you're wondering why you are not able to get the joy of the Lord. Welcome back to the Olive Tree Church Podcast. If you're new to this channel, we hope you find this content helpful and inspiring. To find out more about OTC, head over to our website or social media channels linked in the description. We hope you enjoyed this past Sunday's message. No ding ding without the ring ring. Oh, this is wonderful. It is good to be with you this morning. And uh, in two weeks, so we, we pushed it out a week because of Philippians. We, we're going to dive into this. Um, and, and here's the thing. Please invite people to the 815, because the 815 needs a few more people. But uh, if you've got a friend who's single, who's divorced, who is married and in pain, so basically all your friends, no, no I'm, I'm joking, uh, then bring them to this series. It will be so good. We, we really want to reach people over the next time, a little while. It'll be a, an amazing time. But uh, before I dive into my preach, I just, I want to say well done to the last three preachers. They're new first timers. They smashed it. I know you're whining because you haven't seen me, but here's the thinking. If we don't raise up people to preach and lead worship and lead stuff, we can't plant sites. And this church exists to plant and to multiply. You know what? As parents, you want to have kids. God's church needs to birth more churches. And so thank you for being the type of congregation that can pull a new preacher on and you give them support and love. So well done to you and awesome on them. I am preaching on one of the more difficult subjects today. I'm preaching about joy and suffering, which is kind of scary to, to preach into. Um, and, uh, and I was just kind of doing a little bit of research, and I, I looked at this bizarre fact. I, I looked at how many disruptions there were in the airplane world. Because, you know, being in an airplane, really fun at the moment. Don't worry, we're from South Africa, we don't have enough money to fly, but for, for other people. So there were 5,981 disruptions in the airports over the last year. That's in the States only. What, what I found out, this is really interesting, from 1995 to, to 2020, there was an average of 182 violent outbursts in, in airports. Investigations, 182. Last year, alone, there were 1,081. You know what it tells you? People are angry. People are intensely angry. And I'm speaking about joy. <laughs> Last, I, I'm going to kind of confess some stuff here uh, that, that may make you not want to come back again to church. But, but uh, I just need to get my dirty laundry out. So this week, I, my wife, who's bought a, a school, for her special needs thing. Thank you so much for those who prayed and supported, so we got it. She, uh, she then has done 
She's been a building manager, she's just doing all kinds of refurbishment. She's just worked for the last two weeks, nonstop. And she was starting to get teary. She's coming home teary. So I said to her, babe, go away. Just go sleep for you and for me. Just go. Go sleep. So she, off she went, and I was left with the kids. And everything was looking good until 11 o'clock at night when uh, Livy woke up, and then she called me. But she woke up Geordie. So, so now I've got two kids, and she's crying, and he's calling. So eventually I thought, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put them both in the bed. So I stuck them both in the bed, and then she kicked him in the head and pulled my ear. She was having a jaw. He got more and more upset. I got three hours sleep on Friday night. And then what I did is I took Livy to my mom. That's what you do the next day. I woke up. Well, I woke up. I hardly slept. I, I brought her to my mom, and my mom started to give me very good, sound, practical input on what I should be doing in my home. And my response to her was a little bit rude. I said, I'm sorry, mom, but I'm too tired and too angry right now to do what I should be doing. So many people are too angry and too tired and too numb and too empty to do what they should be doing. In fact, it kind of made me think about a season in my life that I should not have led this church. I'm, I'm so sorry that I led some of you for a season of my life. There were 18 months of my life where I did not sleep. And uh, you know what happens when you don't sleep? Your character, you just get angrier and angrier. And I'm not an angry guy, but I got angry. And I remember the, like, the lowest of the low. I went to Virgin, and, uh, and this is what parents do. Like you, you take your kid because you don't know what else you're going to do in the afternoon. You just want to sleep, but you take them to the heated pool. And I took into the little heated pool, and Gracie had just um, started going to the toilet, so now she was out of like waterproof nappies, and now she was into a costume. And I'm sitting there, and another parent comes, and she's now playing with her kids at the pool, and I'm playing with my kids, and we start chatting, and then she tells me she's just started coming to Olive Tree, which is Orkies. <laughs> I'm in the pool, no shirt on, this person comes to Olive Tree, like you're feeling vulnerable. <laughs> but... Uh, I want to put my best foot forward, so, so I'm, I'm kind of like chatting, and now I'm being nicer, and I'm praying that my child will behave, and the next thing that happens is I start to see brown liquid <laughs> coming out of her costume, and I did what every father will do. I panicked, so I grabbed hold of her, I pulled her out, I, I created a scene instead of like calmly and collect, and I could see she was watching, and she was trying to see how I was going to handle this, and I had poo going down my leg and poo on my arm, and I was, it was going everywhere, and it was sloshing in the pool, and I was thinking, how do I clean that up, and then I was taking her, and it was running everywhere that I went. Eventually, I got into the toilet, and I'm just confessing my sin before everyone. I just F-bombed. That's all I could do. I just swore. angry. When I was preaching in J-Bay, you've got to think of J-Bay. It's a, it's a tourism town, and it's a farming community. And so for two years, they had no tourism, and their dams are at 11%, so they can't farm. And I had one conversation after the next, after the next, with people who are just feeling disappointed. 
And everywhere I seem to go, I have conversation after conversation with people who have experienced loss and disappointment, and they are struggling in their suffering to find joy. They are sad and angry. They are sangry. So I want to preach about how to find joy in your sangry. And the book of Philippians is fantastic for this. It's like a Christian psychology based on doctrine book. 19 times in the book of Philippians, it speaks about joy. This book is phenomenal for mental health. And Philippians 3, it kicks off like this. It says, finally, my brethren, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you isn't tedious, but for you, it's safe. Now, if you've been a Christian, you know this. If you want joy, you have to rejoice. You have to mine it. Joy doesn't just summa come. You've got to rejoice to get joy. Now, now if you knew, I'm, I'm going to, Tanya, come. I, I had to find, I chose Terence for this last time, but I realized his resting face is angry. I needed someone with joy. <laughs> No, no, but you have to. Do you want some coffee? Thank you. Why not? Okay. What about a little snack? No, You're going to be here for a long time and you have to be happy. No, I'm fine. I promise. Oh, look, I've got. It's fine. There we go. Okay, there we go. We've got a spa treatment coming as well. No, I'm joking. Online people, you should come to church. And doesn't she look beautiful? Just joyful. Let me, let me tell you how this works. Tanya's a friend. Imagine every time I went to Tanya, she's not Jesus yet, every time I spoke to her, I spoke to her about my problems. If she was a good friend, you're a good friend, what she would give me would be empathy and compassion. But if I did it again and again and again, like every day for all my Christian life, somewhere down the line, she would go, can we talk about something else? See, some of you are speaking to Jesus about your pain and your suffering and your problems and your heartache and what you need him to do. And you speak to him about that again and again and again. And you're wondering why you are not able to get the joy of the Lord. If I want to get joy from Tanya, this is what I do. Tanya, I'm so excited about, I am so excited about, I'm so excited about life. I'm so excited about that our ocean can take all the sewage that we dump in it and clean it out somehow in Durban. I am so excited about the fact that the sun, we keep going around the sun and it hasn't stopped for ages. Like, I am so excited by the grace God has given to our church. I'm, now I'm starting to celebrate. You know what I get? Joy. If you want the joy of the Lord, you have to celebrate with Christ until you're talking about the stuff that makes him excited and what will begin to happen is that joy will begin to abound. If you want joy, you have to rejoice. Now, he goes from there. I was actually gonna call the sermon, if you wanna be happy for the rest of your life. And then I started thinking lame things like, 
Rejoice through your strife or make rejoicing rife. And it just got lamer and lamer and lamer. So we're not going to go there. But, but Paul takes us to another level. He goes, my goal is that I may know him, Jesus. Tanya's just become Jesus. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Here's what, here's what he's saying. I want to, in whatever circumstances, however I can, I want to get Jesus's, I want to know Jesus, and I want to get the resurrection power that comes out of Jesus. I want it in this earth, in this life. I want to access it. Now, one of our problems is that we don't access it during suffering. Now, how many of you have been married for more than five years? You have suffered. <laughs> and if you have suffered through marriage, Vix, you suffered more than most of us, but anyway... If you have suffered through marriage, where is, where is that little Jewish? <laughs> if you have suffered through, through marriage, and whether it's suffering that just came to you, grief that came from the outside, or the suffering that happens as you learn to know each other and get over yourselves, when you come out of that suffering, when you wake up the one day and you have, you've just come through it, there is a knowing of the other person that you wouldn't trade for the world because in your greatest suffering, you learn your wife's deepest support. In your greatest suffering, you create bonds that are unbreakable. It's through suffering that I get to really understand Amy and love Amy and be shaped to love her better and she is shaped to love me better. And it's when I go through suffering that I bring bonds of relationship with Jesus. And if I don't take my suffering to Jesus and seek his joy, what happens is I don't get depth. See, my first point would be this. Don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. See, I just want you to all put your hands up like this. Just go like this. If you have your hand up, you are going to experience pain. If you haven't had a severe dose of it, it's coming. <laughs> Suffering is guaranteed. It's kind of weird that Christians believe. I don't know why we believe this. I was chatting about this to my life group. Christians somehow believe this weird theology that if Jesus really loves me, and he would go to a cross for me, and he's designed me, then if I'm in relationship with him, he will not allow suffering to come to me. I don't know how we got there, but fundamentally, inside most Christians, there is this belief. Jesus did not promise that he would take suffering away from you. In fact, he promised it's coming. Peter says, it's kind of strange. You guys are going through fiery trials, and you think it's strange? That's strange. 
if you're going to become a Christian, you're not just going to get life, which has tons of suffering. You're going to get Satan, who wants to throw more. So just know this. If you're trying to avoid suffering, Christianity is not the way forward. Okay, now that we've established that, half the people have, I am leaving this church. I am going to one where there is no suffering. <laughs> now that we have established that, how do you not waste your pain? How do I make sure that in my suffering, I develop su such depth of relationship with my Jesus that I am able in the happiest times and the saddest times of my life to be strong? You see, we have this statement, a vision statement for our church. We want to plant sites across Devon that enjoy God, love people, release potential, impact community. And when we speak to people when they first come to our church and we say we want to build churches that enjoy God, all the newbies go, man, that's so exciting. All the old Christians go, huh? Aren't you supposed to love God? And then we start to teach them. We teach them that, we want you to enjoy God when, you, when everything you touch turns to gold, when you are living like Solomon, when it's just blessed in the morning and blessed in the evening, when your wife just loves you and your kids obey you, when everything is going right. And then we want you to enjoy God for the rest of life. When, when your kids are not enjoying you, you're not enjoying them, and when, when marriage is tough, and when you're like Job, and the protection wall seems to have gone, and it feels like all you're getting is curse. If you can learn to enjoy God there and here, the rest of the world will see how you handle life, and they'll go, whatever they have, I need that thing. And friends, there has never been an opportunity like now for people who have enjoyed God to shine their lights because everybody is going through stuff. Now, let me go a little deeper. In verse 12, it says this. It says, not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I'm gonna stop there. Not that I've already obtained this. So Paul's going, it's not that I know Jesus perfectly and I've experienced his resurrection perfectly, but um, I press on. Let me explain this press on, because this press on, he uses press three times. Once, it means persecuted the church. The other two times, it, it's translated press or pound or beat. And this is, this is actually what it means. It means to take everything I have, all my emotions of happy, sad, and disappointed, and disillusioned, and a little bit of joy, and I'm going to take all of those emotions, I'm going to gather them up, and I'm going to pound them into a certain direction. So when I was flying down to J-Bay, I sat next to the guy who, who runs sanitization of water throughout South Africa. Chemist. Fascinating guy. Here's a little tidbit for free. The water you get in bottles is not better quality than the water you get out the tap right now. In a few weeks it might be, but right now. Just 
I give you free advice all the time. Anyway, I said to him, I said, how are we going to get water solved? And, and we were chatting, chatting, and I said, what about, because uh, I know Israel's like on the, on the cusp of making desalinization economically viable. So, so I said, tell me what's happening there. He says, he says, well, there's three ways. The one is you boil water and the salt's left behind. Another's electrolysis, too complicated. And, and the third one is what the Israelis are doing. They get this membrane, and then they take the salt water, and this membrane is so fine, they just push it through this membrane until the only thing that comes out, no metals, no nutrients, no bacteria, nothing comes out other than pure HTO. H2O, two. H2O. And if you drink this for more than two days, you die. Because it's pure water. And it will take all the electrolytes and all the nutrients out your body. He says, so what we do is we take that and we put it into the main water supply and it gets more nutrients, etc. And it gets dissolved into unpure water and then we drink it. What Paul's saying is if you're going to experience the resurrection of Christ, you're going to gather up all your sangri and your willpower and all your depression, and you're going to take everything you can, and you're going to press it. You're going to push it through that membrane until you can get to Jesus, and here's why. You're going to take hold of him, but here's why. Because he took hold of you. The thing about Christianity is that most of us are being led by emotion. Keep holding me there. We're, we're being led by emotions. We're trying to get that. And we're being led by money. And we're trying to get that. And we, we're being led by, if, if I get that, then I'll be happy. We, we're getting led by everything else, not holding on, not grabbing onto, not pressing into. We're getting pulled by everything else. And Jesus is holding on. He took hold of you. He paid, he went through the membrane into death through absolute pain to go, I will never let you go. I will never let you go. Amen. In fact, you can let go, thank you. <laughs> in fact, the difference between Christianity and all other religions and all other self-help space is that in everything else, it will tell you if you want to get to heaven, if you want to get a six-pack, don't hold, if you want to get a six-pack, if you want to have good mental health, if you want to survive life, if you want to have children, if you, whatever, you need to hold on. But Christianity says, if you want salvation and you want life, Christ held on. In fact, you think you got yourself saved? You didn't. You were a nightmare. He's been chasing you since the day you were born. You were hard work to get saved. Jesus held on to you. He came after you. He pressed in for you. In fact, you're just a naughty child. Keeps running away. He just keeps coming to grave. He just holds on. You want to get out of your mess? Don't waste your pain. Second thing, hold on. Press in and hold on to him who's holding on to you. This text, it goes on. Oh, let me, let me not leave this out. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I've already got it, 
But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I was um, sitting with a pastor the other day, and pastors are, are all in some stage of grief, just where you are. Fortunately, I went through mine quite quickly, and I've got a very good psychologist, so she helped me work through it fast. But we're in grief because we are emotionally attached to what our churches were like before COVID, before you all got messed up and messed our lives up, basically. That's, that's what's going on. So I'm sitting with this pastor, and he's saying, I'm trying to lead the church into a new space, but I just don't have it. So I said to him, how emotionally attached are you to pre-COVID church? And he sat there and he just went, yeah, I'm completely attached to that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it like it was. And I said, it's never going to be like it was. Life's never going to be like it was. Business is never going to be like it was. Schooling's never going to be like it was. You are never going to do relationships exactly how they were. They're gone. So Jesus says, forget what lies behind you and press on to take hold of him who's taken hold of you. You've got to let it go. Third point. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Then he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. So the book of Philippians says joy 19 times, and then it talks about thinking 16 times. If you want joy, thinking's the way you're going to get it. Starting place is thinking. So he says, let those of you who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Basically, he's going, if you're doff, go pray. God will help you see. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame. With minds set on thinking, set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. If you're going to get joy, it's going to be in the mind. Now let me tell you the, the biggest lie most people get caught into. When I get, I will be happy. When I get married, when I have kids, when I get the car, when I buy the house, when I... See, consumerism is driven by that thinking. When I get, then I will be happy. I think I wasted most of my 20s on that thought. When I get a girlfriend, I will be happy. And then I got one. And I was happy for six months. <laughs> then she headbutted me. And then I was less happy. And then, uh, then uh, I found another girlfriend. And I was happy for six months. And then that ended. And then I met Amy. 
who told me happiness was my problem. I needed to find my own happiness, and so I married her. <laughs> happiness and joy, they're kind of interchangeable, is your problem. It's my problem. Getting happiness is not Jesus' problem, and it won't be gotten when you get happiness is your responsibility right now. Jesus will remain the same, giving joy to those who rejoice, peace to those who need calm, comfort to those who mourn. He will stay exactly the same, but what you set your mind upon will determine whether you're gonna get happy or not. If you have set your mind on the visa, you will not be happy until you get the visa. Then you'll get the visa, and then six months' time, you realize Australia sucks, and you'll be unhappy. It's just we looking for happiness from circumstances, and Jesus says that way is the way to destruction because you're trying to get your joy from earthly things. You are called to a heavenly calling. You are citizens of heaven. You need to look at an upward call. You've been amazing. Thank you very much. Look at that happy smile. Give her a hand. Oh, I tried to feed her. I tried to. No, I try to make her happy. No, oh, thank you. You preach it. If you want to get your joy back. My third point is this, you have to get your head in the game. Now, he, he starts this verse, let me just go back to him. He says this, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. A prize is not something you get given unless you're in preschool. If you're in preschool, even little Johnny gets a prize, good effort. Like, but that is not what God is talking about. What God's talking about is something you earn. Now, here's what you don't earn. You don't earn your salvation. It's a gift from God. He pressed on, grabbed hold of you. You don't earn your righteousness. God puts that on you, though you're despicable on the inside, just like me. Though you F-bomb, he puts righteousness on top of you. You don't earn that. You don't earn God's love. But what you do earn is bringing heaven to earth. That doesn't come free. That requires pressing on. What, what doesn't come for free is joy. You have to press on to get joy. And, and here's what he says. He says, the prize of the upward call of God. Prize of the upward call of, of God. So in preparing for this sermon, I, I went to my kids and I said, who is the happiest parent you know? And I thought to myself, like, they have to. <laughs> and so they, they said, this guy, Tim, who's, like, he doesn't even really live on earth. Like, he's, so I was like, oh, that doesn't count. So, so I said to him, okay, well, who's the happiest parent in this house? <laughs> and they said, Mom. So I thought to myself, of course they said mom. If I was married to me, I'd also say me. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Don't worry. I'm not that vain. 
And I thought, I thought about it and I went, man, how do I get my happiness? How, how am I going to get my joy? How am I going to be full of that? Because the world needs it. And I realized you have to get your head into the game. You have to get your head into the calling. See, Jesus laid, laid hold of you for something. He laid hold of you so that you would. He laid hold of you so that you would experience his forgiveness and his love and his power. But he laid hold of you so that you would make a big chunk of a difference in this world. And when you live out making a big chunk of a difference in this world, when I lead people to Christ, you know what happens? I'm leading them to Jesus. Imagine I'm holding her hand and she's not letting go. When I lead them to Jesus, he is so overjoyed that it rubs off on me and I walk away full of joy. When I look after the poor, he is so overjoyed that it rubs off on me and I find great joy. And friends, we are so in the mindset of when I get, then I'll be happy. Our heads are so out of the game that we are not focusing on what matters to him. And the result is, the end is destruction. We are looking to the things of this earth to fulfill our souls, and they just never will. And God's going, get your head out the gutter and put it on the things that matter to me, and you will experience a resurrection power starting to work inside of you. And there are so many people sitting in here who have a call on your life. Everyone does in some area, but some of you even know what it is. And you've got this prophecy that you got when you were eight and you're not living it out. And I would say to you, if you want your joy back, get your head back in the game. There's a Jesus who's taken hold of you. He's not letting go. Don't be like this, looking everywhere to get my joy elsewhere. You won't get it. Come on. I know we're sangry. But shift. Because there is a joy in relationship, there is, a, there is a joy that's attached to your suffering and pain. There is a joy that he has for you as you get your head back in the game. So come church, let us stop getting caught up into the world and let's just shift our priorities back. Start serving. Start taking a step into that relationship and into the purpose of your calling, the higher calling that God has for you. That's all I got for you. May God bless you. May God bless you. And may he grab hold of you. And please don't waste your pain. Have a fantastic Sunday. May the peace of God be upon you.